Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Casual KO. I'm Ryan from Dangerous World Podcast. We've got Jared from T Picks. T Picks, rather. Sorry. It's it's a it's a tongue twister that you set yourself up there with, man. Um, but dude, you know, we're we're coming in here and we're heading into UFC 298. We got a fun card, tough to pick. We always like to uh, you know, circle back to the previous card. And we had a nice little little time there. Once again, we are not joined by Alex. We'd like to to have him here, obviously. He's busy lately, and that's okay, right? But, um, man, you gave out, like you mentioned before we started recording, you gave out a really nice plus 800 four-leg parlay. This is Four-teamer nice. steamer. Hey, it, that was a nice, honestly, it was a really good pick. And my, uh, I almost hit one, too. I almost hit a five-legger. But you absolutely did hit a plus eight hundred, meaning you put a hundred down, you got eight hundred back. Um, not necessarily you yourself, but if someone were to have done that, Max Griffin, Loma Luke Boonmi, um, Mike Johnson, and then Dan Ige, right? Uh, this is plus eight hundred. Solid, solid fucking pick there. And um, congratulations on that. I hope that you actually played that. Yeah, I did. You know what? And that was one of the few parlays that I didn't have Pfeiffer at the end of. That's good. And dude, Pfeiffer killed so much good shit for me, but I kept that parlay the way it was. And thank God I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Parlay's still a talented fighter just for me, man. Um, the the way that he talks, um, I hope that he dials it back because, I mean, the guy talks like he's he's already a world champion and he's the shit. And everyone that doesn't think he's the shit is stupid. And I hope that he dials that back because he is clearly not the shit. Uh, Jack Hermanson lost to Roman Delize. Um, Roman Delize is turning out to be a bad loss on one's record in the middleweight division. So not not a good look for Pfeiffer there. Um, the UFC and Dana White's golden boy. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. I think that he's very talented still. Just um, not not as good as he thinks he is. I don't know what your thoughts on him are. Yeah, you know, he's a guy, he has obviously a ton of potential and obviously a shit ton of power, but he just, he got kind of pushed along pretty early, you know, they won the rank next to his name quick. I mean, his fourth UFC fight, that was a very big step up and he got a guy that's just not going to go away like Hermanson. So, you know, it was a bad look for him, but you know what? He did do good work in the first two rounds. You know, he's just, he's clearly got a cardio problem and you know, he should start expanding his horizons a little bit. Maybe uh, leave that Philly gym and get out there a little more. Yeah, I think anyone that wants to have a prayer in the striking department needs to get the hell away from Henzo Gracie out there in Philly. Like, it's – it's those guys are so such talented grapplers. But as we know, I mean, just being a one-dimensional grappler is not the move these days. It used to work. doesn't work anymore. Um yeah, holy shit. I mean, what a what a rough day for those fucking guys. And then they just haven't been doing good recently you know um uh, I, I i always forget this guy's name because he's very forgettable guy that lost to um diego lopes pat sabatini pat sabatini used to be great man but then he starts to go out there and tries to strike dude you're not a striker you are not a striker you're a grappler through and through stick with that man and yeah you're fighting a great grappler in diego lopes or lopez however the hell people want to say his name but man, you got to stick with what got you to the dance in the first place. And you're not a striker. None of these Philly guys are strikers, man. Um, you know, Max Griffin goes out there and just fucking, I mean, I don't think it was a great performance on his end, 
but he went out there and did what he had to do. What do you think about that one? Because that's another Philly guy that he was fighting. Are uh, you saying Jeremiah Wells? Yes, sir. Yeah, he um he just yeah he didn't do enough. He just but it's because the guy. I do think it's you're right. The guys he's surrounding himself with, you know, it wouldn't hurt to take a trip to one of those major gyms like the American Top Team or Team Alpha Male just somewhere, you know, because that gym is not it, man. It's they're on a cold streak and. I mean, they got to get their hands going a little more. A thousand percent, man. Um, We talked about your good stuff that you did. I will talk about what I almost hit. Almost got a nice five-leg parlay with Emil, Oki, Giles, Robocop, and Ige. uh, That would have been a plus 1,300. Giles was looking great until he didn't. He got clocked by Prates, who is, uh, I mean... That that's gonna be how he's gonna fight from in in you know the near future. He's gonna be getting his ass, I think, kicked until he lands that big bomb. That's just kind of how he does things. It seems like, um, but I thought that that Giles was gonna have that veteran savvy in the UFC and he was gonna be able to come out on top. We both thought that actually. You thought he was gonna get a decision. I thought he'd get a, a late knockout. I thought that jab would bust him up enough. Um, him being Prates just didn't work. Man looked great until he got dropped and uh it was a nasty knockout to be honest so plus 1300 missed i guess you know i should have taken alex's uh normal advice and uh and round robined that but alex isn't here to defend himself i will say bad pick well i mean darius flowers is one of these guys and and i was on him by the way you were not you were on on johnson um I was on Flowers, and, and I, I was on Flowers before I heard Alex saying that that was his most confident pick on the card. Man, uh, fucking Flowers is not UFC material, dude. One thing uh, before we move on, how about Daniel Marcos against Arichi Lang? What did you think about that whole fucking thing? Uh, I think Arichi Lang took the, the easy way out, dude, to be honest. I mean, Marcos was piecing him up. He was well on his way to a decision. I thought that he was, I actually bet the Daniel Marcos round two knockout, and I was feeling good about it, dude. Uh, it was looking good. Yeah, but um, Marcos was on his way to a, a, a clinic of a, of a UFC performance. It was his best UFC performance. And, um, you know, he started crying after after it went to a no contest and i get it because he was doing good man but hopefully this lights a fire under marcos's ass and he doesn't come out and try to point fight in the future and he tries to finish i mean this dude could potentially be around one finisher man he's a good fighter man great strike yeah, yeah richie lang man he's he's dead to me he definitely got some of that mma karma coming his way because he, he's a quitter man I, and i really didn't expect that out of him because that dude's tough but he took one hell of a beating and somebody showed him the door and he took it. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it almost didn't even look like a nut shot. Cause there was a few nut shots and, and maybe yeah. he was still kind of sore from that first nut shot. Cause I think they each hit each other in the nuts twice. Yep. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe his nuts were still sore from that, from that first, uh, solid nut shot. And then that second one, he was just like, yeah. And, and, you know, to his credit, I mean, it's not a loss. So, oh yeah, he was. I mean, he he had a way out, and he's like, "Oh, and it's not a loss, and I'm down two rounds. See you later." Yeah, yeah, I I get it. I mean, Marcos does need to clean up his technique for sure. But he, I mean, what a talented fighter that dude is, man. Like, I can't talk any shit about him. Um, I'm trying to see any other fighters on here that I could potentially talk shit about, other than Pfeiffer. Um, Talk a little shit about Loma in uh, Bruna, Brazil. That was a 
fucking snoozer of a fight. Yeah, Bryce Check, I think, deserves some shit. Oh, yeah. Yep, he sucked, too. You know, uh, dude, I had um, I had uh, the duelist. What's his name? Duelist. The Ukrainian. Oh, Eeyore Paterio? Yeah, that's his nickname, the duelist. Um, I had him in a couple of my fantasy lineups, and, and those were the ones that actually won me a couple bucks because no one was on that dude. Everyone's like, oh, Bryce checks the shit. But then, you know, Ehor takes five minutes after a, a, a clean nut shot, and that changes the entire momentum of the fight, man. Like, these guys need to fight clean. And I actually, like, I don't know how you feel about this, dude. I think that any time a nut shot happens or a fence grab happens, any time, even if it's a clear accident, I think a point should be taken, man. Like, just like the NFL, maybe even you you implement a half-point system or something. But you know how many times you, when you watch the NFL, and I'm not here to talk about that the NFL is rigged and all this shit because I believe that it is. But anytime you see these pass interference calls and all these things like that, you don't think those are accidents sometimes? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Fouls Absolutely. happen on accident in every sport. Every nut shot should be a half a point or a quarter point or something, man. You know what? Um, 1FC does it a really good way. Instead of uh, doing the point, you know, they don't do the point system. They judge the bout in its entirety. Well, they, um, they'll they do yellow cards. I believe it's two yellow cards and then a red card gets you disqualified. But for every yellow card, you lose 10% of your purse. Okay. So if, you know, people are losing money for doing shit like that, I, I think that's a real good way to cut that shit out yeah yeah it's good i mean and you know what's funny man it's like one fc doesn't get any shit about the way that they pay their fighters now well yeah they pay them good because they want to look good in the you know in the eyes of the u.s audience but i guarantee the ufc pays their fighters more than one fc pays their fighters i'm sure they do well you know the whole fighter pay thing it's like they have that flat entry level you know that base pay for entry level i think it's like 12 or 12, it's 12. like a wind show of like 12 12 but okay. um you know that's a you know the entry level but i mean it seems guys get paid with their worth because you don't really these big names of guys like um you know justin gaethje or even Ilya or you know volkanovsky like you don't see these guys complaining about fighter pay because they've earned you know i feel like you get paid accordingly you get paid your worth you know Well, yeah, just like how it should be. I mean, this is why the WNBA players don't make as much as the NBA players because they don't generate as much money as the fucking men do. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And that's nothing against women's sports, even though I can talk my fair share. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not fond of women's sports, but I know some people out there enjoy them. and, And those people, if they if they enjoy these sports then you should support those people, man. But just universally, men's sports tend to be more entertaining and more fun. Um, that's why you have, um, I forget who it is. There's this billionaire. It's not Elon Musk. It's someone adjacent to Elon Musk that is starting the, uh, all steroids, uh, Olympics basically. Like, yeah, dude, like you can, like, it's basically the, the gimmick of it is we're, we're trying to see how far science can push sports. So nothing is off limits. Um, this will be coming, I think like in a year or two, but it's basically just, all like no holds bar everything's allowed and it's like it's fighting it's basketball it's all all kinds of sports but no usada type shit none of this and it's just to see how far people can go 
And that's going to be entertaining as shit, dude. <laughs> dude, that is fucking crazy. I, this is the first time hearing of that, and I cannot wait to fucking watch that's it. That's what I'm saying. Are you going to watch it? And the answer You're is damn yes. right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just going to be an interesting thing, man. But um, Daniel yeah. Tosh had a bit about that a few years ago, about how like professional athletes should be forced to do steroids. They shouldn't be getting in trouble for doing steroids. I want the best sports science can create. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to find if I can find this quick. Uh, Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel is starting this. And Peter Thiel is a, uh, I mean, just a, I don't know if you've heard of him, but very, I mean, he's pro, uh, you know, all kinds of drugs, whether it be, you know, psychedelics, whatever it is. But uh, interesting. That's fucking wild, dude. Yeah. Peter Thiel's Olympics on steroids says it's considering letting athletes, letting athletes compete wearing Apple Vision Pro even. I mean, they're going they're going above and beyond. It's not just steroids; it's technology, world, wow. all these things. So fun stuff in the future, man. Sports are going to be dope as fuck in the future. Hell yeah! But let's get into this card, man. We've uh, we've bantered quite a bit. It's a shame Alex isn't here, but we will see um, what we can do. And I'm making sure that he isn't because I forgot to send him the link. But I'm sure he's not going to hop on anyway. I, I, uh, if he wants to, he can hit me up on Instagram there. But anyway, man, um, first fight of the night, dude. You know, we, we like to start at the bottom, work our way up to the top. First prelim, uh, maybe in the middle of this, I'll actually shoot him a, a, an invite here. But uh, I'll let you start with this banger of a fight to start off the night, right? I mean, this is just a... This is guaranteed to not go the distance here, right? This is going to be, I mean, someone's head's going out on a platter. We got Miranda Maverick versus Andrea Lee. Kind of a striker versus grappler affair here. I don't know how you feel about that, but a lot of people are kind of on the Miranda Maverick side. But when it comes to women's MMA, you know, a lot of people like to just randomly choose the underdog because a lot of these things end in split decisions. But I'm curious how you feel in this one here for, uh, to start off the evening. Yeah, I think this is a really good matchup. Um, Andrea Lee, she's definitely a bit better than her record shows, you know, 13 and eight that she's lost a lot of close decisions that I think a few of them definitely should have gone her way. Like the Macy Barber fight comes to mind, but um, you know, the girls that she's losing to they're they're pretty high level girls. Um, she's not bad on the feet. She's not bad grappling. She's really not bad anywhere. But she is 34. She's ranked number 15. So, you know, she's kind of, I'm just feeling like she's kind of on her way out of the rankings. And Miranda Maverick, who's 26, I think she's on her way in. You know, Maverick got three losses in the UFC. Come to Jasmine Justavicius, Macy Barber, Aaron Blanchfield. I can kind of give you a pass on those three. Those are pretty good girls to be losing to. And at only 26, dude, she's got so much room to grow. She's got good kickboxing. The only time I've really seen her struggle wrestling is against Blanchfield and a little bit against Macy Barber. But I think she's got the footwork. I think she's got the speed, the better movement. Andrew really is a little bit more of a stationary target. So I think Mavericks, I, I think Mavericks going to do well in this fight. And I think she's going to be ranked next week. Um, so I'm going to go with Maverick to win a decision here. It's probably, uh, I, I can't imagine there's a finish here. It's probably going to be a close decision. You'll be sweating no matter who you have. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree 
with everything that you said there, man, I'm not going to add on. I don't want to, you know, drag this out longer than it needs to be dragged out. Uh, Miranda Maverick, man. Uh, I, I think that it makes sense. You know, like you said, younger, um, seems, seems to be more, not well-rounded, just quicker, you know, a- a- Andrea Lee is the better fighter here, I think. But, um, you know, Miranda Maverick is, is good, man. She's on the way up. I think she's going to improve over each fight. Uh, I've heard she's got a great pickle company. She sells pickles, which is awesome. I mean, I, I don't know. You're making a weird face there. That's just random as fuck. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that she does, I guess. And, um, yeah, dude, pickles are the shit, man. I love pickles. So, and and everyone says that they uh, that these are great pickles. So, yeah, dude, I support anyone that's, uh, you know, got their eyes on other shit and not just focusing on, uh, you know, fighting. I think it makes sense selling pickles. I don't know. You know, Dustin Poirier sells hot sauce similar, right? Yeah. It's actually, uh, it's pretty good. I don't mind it. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. Is that signed? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, dude. I was just fucking, I got to pull earlier. <laughs> oh, nice dude. I, uh, there's, uh, you know, Chris Lytle has a bourbon company. And I want to get a signed bottle of Chris Lytle bourbon. It's called Lights Out Bourbon. Oh, that's cool. Dude, I want it so bad. Um, and I also want a bottle of uh, of that that Dustin Poirier signed hot sauce. I'm going to plug in my computer real quick. But uh, next fight up on the card, and I'm interested to see what you think on this. Can you see my screen, by the way? Yes, I can. Okay, so you see here Val Woodburn versus Oban Elliott, huh? Okay. This is interesting to me, ma'am. The whole narrative, uh, this is uh, the way that people are viewing Val Woodburn is very similar to the way that people were viewing Pete Rodriguez just a couple weeks ago, right? Pete Rodriguez comes into the USC, his only loss, only loss is Jack Della Maddalena, possibly the best welterweight in the world, right? I mean, realistically. Um, some people say it's Ian Gary, which we're going to talk about later. And I know a lot of people want to hate on Ian Gary, but he's very fucking talented. Um, some people want to say it's Shavkat Rachmanov. I don't think it's Shavkat at all. I don't even think he's necessarily top three because of the way that this dude gets fucking hit. But the way that people are viewing Val Woodburn this week, they're saying his only loss is Bo Nickel. He's won. He's made it look fairly easy his entire career up until he faced Bo Nickel, and no one else would do it on that stage and all this stuff. He's facing Oban Elliott, who I don't think is very good, right? You watch his Contender Series fight. He was decent in that. He was actually quite good in that. But if you watch him before that, the dude gets hit. I mean, the, this fucking Oban Elliott dude gets clocked in all of his other fights almost. I mean, he gets hit. Um, he's going to be the taller man. I think it's 5'8 versus, yeah, 5'8 versus six foot. The six-footer is Oban Elliott, the Welsh gangster. Um, I don't know, man. For me, I don't want to drag this out because I feel like this is a coin flip fight because we really don't know too much at this level of either competitor. I do know that Dana White Contender Series folks have come in and shit the bed more times than not. Val Woodburn, yes. I don't think that he's ever going to have as tough of a fight in those circumstances, as he did in his UFC debut, I think that the butterflies, I think that the circumstances in that scenario are absolutely 20 decks of cards stacked against him in that set, in that setting. Right. I mean, like imagine you're just this dude 
Not even you, he didn't. You didn't go through the Dana White contender series. You didn't go through any avenue to actually get to the UFC, and you just get called up randomly to fight the most badass motherfucker prospect in the world. Not and not in just the middleweight division, in any division, you get called up to fight this dude. The dude was doomed from the get go, and I think he knew that. And he went out there, and he you know he got knocked out in thirty eight seconds against a wrestler. I'm going to go with Val Woodburn here, man. And and I, I think that a, a smart bet is Val Woodburn decision, no action, meaning that Val Woodburn has to get a finish here. Oban, I don't think finishes Val Woodburn. I think Val's the better wrestler. I think he's better pretty much everywhere other than maybe cardio, but Val still has good cardio. So give me Val Woodburn. Um, I'm going to go probably a knockout in round one or two. I think that he catches uh, Oban Elliott coming in here. Um, but if it goes to decision, I think that your best bet would be Elliott. Decision no action would be the official bet. But for the sake of this, give me Val Woodburn knockout round one. What do you got? Yeah, you. Do, I mean, you just brought up a lot of good points. Elliott, dude, he gets hit a lot. Like in that contender series fight, Going into the third round, it was one-to-one. That was anybody's fight. Um, in a fight like this that you don't know much about either guy, if it feels like a coin toss and one guy is like plus 230, why not take him? Uh, I, I understand a Woodburn bet here. I mean, and for some reason, Elliot's getting a lot of hype right now. I don't know if you saw, he went on the MMA hour the other day with Ariel Hawani. Well, Ariel uh, loves these English fighters, and this guy's from Wales, but I mean, it's right. And Chael Sonnen shouting him out from the American gangster to the Welsh gangster. And it's just, I don't know. This dude's getting a lot of hype, and I don't really see why, because he's not that good. This dude takes a lot of damage. He's tough, and he's got heart. But um, I don't know. You look at the Val Woodburn side, you know for not a second he believed he was going to beat Bo Nickel. So he figured, go out there, try to make it a brawl, and see what happens. And that's what he did, and he got caught. It's... um. But when I look at his record prior to the Bo Nickel fight, it seemed like the beginning of his career, he was finishing everybody. And then he took that slight step up in competition and he stopped finishing people. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm probably going to side with Elliot to win a decision that's probably sweaty. I bet you he takes a lot of damage early. But I mean, if you're going to bet this fight, I don't know, maybe look at a double method like Woodburn by knockout or Elliot by decision. But it's definitely a no bet for me. But for the sake of a pick, I'll go with Elliot by decision. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people talk about Elliot's grappling advantage. And um, if you watch that 38-second fight between Bo Nickel and Val Woodburn, Val Woodburn did stuff a takedown from Bo Nickel. I don't know if you remember, but he did. It was kind of a half-assed takedown, some people would say. But Val Woodburn did stuff a takedown from... Bo Nickel. If you look at his uh, takedown defense on uh, UFC stats, it's 100%. And the only right. person he's fought in the UFC is Bo Nickel. That looks great on paper, but I don't know how, how real that is. So you got Elliot by decision taking the pussy way out, I see. That's all right. Yeah, you know, I don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to attach my, my name to the Val Woodburn name here. Yeah, it's tough, dude. It's tough to actually like commit to that, but it, it, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight. I'm actually excited for that one, man. I think it feels like Pete Rodriguez all over again. That's exactly what I said, dude. I, I I fully agree. Now, this is yours to start with here, man. Josh Quinlan, uh, the former steroid user, he got popped. Um, you know, interesting little situation there. 
Yeah, weird too, because he got popped after his contender series fight. So it's surprising they still took him in. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he went out and he won his next fight, right, against uh, yep. Jason Witt, and then he uh, lost against Trey Waters. Not a great loss. He looked he terrible. Danny Barlow, fight. who's got, I mean, power in that left hand. Left hand of God is his nickname for a reason. This dude sends people to the fucking uh, to, to to another realm with that left hand. Um, you've got two tall strikers here, man. Uh, Barlow being the two inch taller guy, but who do you have here between uh, Josh Quinlan and Danny Barlow? Dude, I got to go with Danny Barlow here. The 80 inch reach is just so glaring. You got an eight inch reach advantage. He's, I mean, he's a slick striker. He mixes it up well. I mean, of course, his strength of schedule has been weak, but with that weak schedule, he has a sick highlight reel. Um, I haven't really seen enough fight time of him to really point out any holes because no one's really been high enough level to expose that. Uh, on the other side, Quinlan, I feel like this fight's kind of who's the better contender series investment for the UFC. Mm-hmm. And um, just with how bad Quinlan looked in his last fight, you know, if he doesn't get that knockout, I mean, he, he I don't think he's going to be looking too good, man. He gets hit a lot and he got hit a lot in that last fight. And I think he's going to have a hard time getting around a guy whose reach is eight inches longer than his. So. It should be a wild one. I think it's just going to be a crazy first round until somebody goes down. So I'm going to side with Danny Barlow to get a knockout, say, round one. Yeah, I like it. Um, I Okay, so knockout Barlow round one. For me, man, you, you know, you're saying that you, you haven't been able to poke any holes in the uh, game of left hand to God, uh, Danny Barlow. It's when he's on his back, man. That's his hole in his game. Whenever he's on his back, he just does not know what to do, it seems like. And Josh Quinlan is a striker, but he is more of a well-rounded fighter, in my opinion. And Danny Barlow needs to get a knockout in round one against Josh Quinlan. That's where I'm at on this. Um, So I'm sure people can tell already that I'm going with Josh Quinlan on this. Uh, I like it. We're disagreeing on two out of the three fights here just to start off the evening. Now, Josh Quinlan, you know, coming off steroids, um, you know, he's supposedly not allowed to do steroids anymore. But keep in mind, USADA is not involved with the UFC anymore. Okay? So, obviously, there's some people that are checking on the drugs and all this stuff. But there's been a couple of people that have been on steroids. I can't name any off the top of my head, but I remember looking at these in research for this. There's been a couple of people that have had steroid problems in the past and have looked bad. And then they're coming back into 2024 looking good in these first couple of you know fights on, on the year. I don't, I'm not saying that Quinlan's going to be back on the sauce. I'm not saying he's going to be doing anything like that, taking those Flintstone vitamins, as some people say, right? But I think that he's going to have something up his sleeve here. Um I think he's the more well-rounded fighter, 100%. And I think that he can catch Barlow. I think that he's got to avoid the heat coming at him for the first over the first five minutes. How many knockouts does this guy have in the first round? Every single knockout that he's earned is in the first round, right? He's got some decision wins. Uh, all of them are unanimous. He's got one sub, and the, uh, that was an early sub as well, first round, right? So this guy's a finisher in the first round. If he's not finishing in the first round, he's crushing cans in a decision, in a unanimous decision. 
Uh, he's beating a guy that was one and two by decision and beating a guy that was one and oh in decision. Let's see what this guy's record is now one and one by decision, right? Fighting in uh, B2 fighting in CFFC. So, yeah, man, I think that at the end of the day, I, and I'm actually quite high on, on, on Quinlan here. I think that he comes out. I think that he wants to prove something. I think he was lying about he was insecure. I think that uh, when you're using steroids and you're fighting competitively, I think that the reason that you're using those, it's not because you're insecure. It's more like result-based. You're, you're using you're using you're using these per- performance enhancing drugs to enhance your performance, not to enhance your physique. So, um, dude, it's Quinlan for me all day, man. I think that he drags this out to round two, round three. Quinlan by decision or round two, um, potential knockout submission. I mean, this guy can get it any way he wants. But give me Josh Quinlan round two knockout. Um, we'll see what happens here, man. This is an interesting fight for sure um moving on up the card here ming yang zhang versus brenton hiberio what do you got in this uh is this me or you this is me. i think this is you okay so i actually have a parlay and and let me uh pull this up because you know how they give you free bets every once in a while yep on uh i use FanDuel. yeah when you lose enough they hook you up yeah, dude. I had a rough card last week. Rough card last week. So, let's see. Let's see what my free bet is here. I have Miranda Maverick, Val Woodburn. It's only a $10 bet. It was a free one. Miranda Maverick, Val Woodburn, and Branson, Branson Hiberio. Um, both these guys are going to be striking. Both these guys are going to be throwing hands. They're going to be doing what they need to do. I just think that the road to UFC guys are not as good as people want to say that they are, you know? Um, Brenson Hiberio, I think, goes out there, and he gets this done. Um, I will say it's probably by decision. This might not be the most entertaining fight, but I'm going to go uh, Hiberio by decision. Wow, I'm I'm surprised you're taking a decision here. It's just, uh, you know, it's the same thing as, like, uh, what what was it? Fucking um, Money Moicano and Drew Dober, man. You know, no one thought that those things were going to go the distance. Um, you know, who else was it? There was the uh, Justin Gaethje and um, who's supposed to fight McGregor, man? Uh, Chandler. Chandler. I mean, you know, these fights that are, there's no way these things make the distance. I mean, those are all high level guys, though, that you're talking about. Sure. Well, is Chandler that high level? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. In Bellator he was, but Bellator is no longer in business. So, but yeah, what do you, what do you think, man? Dude, I think this is just going to, I think for looking at two guys that are fucking super similar, they both knocked a lot of people out. They've both been knocked out. They both got crazy wild offense, but not good defense. Uh, yeah. I, I'm one of those people. I think it's certain somebody dies in this fight. So, if it somehow hits the ground, I think they're just going to fucking swing it out. If it ends up on the ground, I'll give uh, Riberio an advantage there. But, uh, yeah, give me Riberio to get it done in the first round, say knockout. Okay. That's interesting that you take him because uh, I know a lot of people are on the Asian here, the Chinese fighter. So. Yeah, a lot of question marks around both guys, though, because those road to UFC guys, for the most part, they 
have had bad strength of schedule leading up to the road to UFC and the guys on road to UFC, it's like Asian contender series. And, you know, so you've got a lot of question marks around those guys coming out of the China and Japan circuits. And then, you know, you got other guys, really anybody making their debut, it's hard to make a pick when you don't, you don't know a ton about them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what's, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. You know, this, uh, this Hibero dude, you know, fighting Bruno Lopes, uh, that that was an interesting fight too. I mean, uh, fun fight to be honest, but I just, I'm not a fan of these, uh, these road UFC guys, man. And I think that I'm, I might have a unfair bias after the, uh, that Indian dude going out there and fighting that guy that just barked at him. I forget his name. Mike Breeden. Yeah. Mike, Mike Breeden just going out there and barking at him and he got scared. I mean, this guy's more of a, I mean, he's more suited to be like a motivational speaker than a damn fighter. Dude. Could you believe they cut Mike Breeden after that fight? Yeah, because he, he performs when he's not supposed to, and he doesn't perform when he's supposed to. He's such a bad fighter. But then he, I know, but I mean, come on. You don't think that got him some fans, dude? I, they should have gave him at least another fight. They should have, but I mean, he just, he kind of fucked up everything that they wanted. Yeah, he was the apple pie shitter for a lot of people that night. Yeah, including the UFC. So um, I don't want to spend any time on this fight at all. Renya Nakamura versus Carlos Vera. Um, what round, what method do you have uh, Renya Nakamura in and why? Renya Nakamura, round two submission. Okay. Um, Rania sub two. I've got him. Um, I mean, who cares? He. Uh, I, there's no reason to bet this fight. But if you're if you're going method, I think uh, sub round two is nice uh, for lack of just moving on. Um, I'll agree with you. Anytime that there's a minus one thousand favorite, I think it's just disgusting, man. There's no need to have these kind of matchups in the UFC. I think it's pointless. So um, fuck that. That doesn't count as your pick. Move on to um, Marcos de sorry Marcos Rogerio de Lima, aka Patrick Star, dude. This guy looks like Patrick Star from SpongeBob versus Justin Taffa. Who do you got between the uh, dude that just got his fucking every single one of his teeth knocked out by a Derek Lewis switch knee? Versus the, uh, I mean, this guy is deceivingly young. What's he, 30 years old? This guy looks 50 years old. Justin Taffa, the bad man. Um, who do you got between the striker and the uh, more grappler type? Oh, both these guys got a ton of, ton of finishing ability. And um, I know Delima's, you know, more on the grapple-heavy side, but I'll say the uh, calf kicks on him, man, he can really cause a lot of problems for someone and stop a lot of movement, just blasting those low kicks. Toff has definitely got the better boxing and, you know, he definitely wants to keep it on the feet. The Lima would like to get it on the ground, but I definitely think he can hang on the feet. Um, but at the end of it, Toff, I got a hundred percent takedown defense. I think he's got the heavier hands. So I'm just going to side with the big knockout from Tafa. Call it round two. I like it. Um, KO round two. I've got top KO round one, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think that 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 Patrick Starr is going to come out here. He's going to be a little scared after that horrible knockout. I mean, that at, at 38 years old, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, 38, almost 39, closer to 39 than 38. 
this this is a rough knockout to to be uh face man and you know he thought that he was going to go out there and he was going to hand Derek Lewis's ass and that was going to be a great feather in his cap right a good scalp to have so to speak and this dude just couldn't do it i mean he didn't even have a chance to get going the the gap on the ground is so wide between i mean it's wider for marcos than it is the striking for tafa i think that actually Delima is the more well-rounded fighter. I think he's better, more technical on the feet, and he's absolutely better on the ground. But Tafa with his takedown defense, man, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's 100%. If you know that for a fact, that's astounding because everyone tries to take him and his brother Junior down. Um, I'm like certain it's 100%, but you might want to fact check me. I can check right now as we're talking. But, you know, just that that's the whole thing with these, uh, you know, Islander type dudes, right? I don't know the proper way to refer to these guys. Aboriginal type dudes. I mean, what is it? I know Abo is like an offensive term. No, dude, you're asking the wrong guy. I got no fucking clue. My uh, buddy that I used to record with um, out of Australia, like basically calling one of these kind of guys Abos is like us calling a black dude the N word. You know what I mean? Like it's really. Yeah. Wow. But uh, supposedly Aboriginal is okay. Um which is interesting. Okay, takedown defense 100%. So you're right uh, with Justin Taffa there. You know, the strikes landed per minute versus the strikes absorbed. He's got an upside-down striking differential. So it's going to be an interesting fight, but I will take the side of youth. I mean, he's eight years younger. He's got so much power, man. He's a mean dude. Um, after getting poked in the eye by uh, Austin Lane and then going out there and knocking this dude out in round one, I think it was. That was just, uh, you know, a good redemption story. And I think that the UFC wants this guy to do well. They want more Australian fighters. Um, I think he came into the UFC at 3-0, and and he's kind of learned on the job, and he's done yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And Delima, 38 years old, he's ranked number 15. If he's on his way out and he's number 15, is this, this is a perfect entry into the rankings for Tafa. Right. And I think Tafa would give a lot of these guys at the at the top of the weight division, uh, at the top of the heavyweight division, I should say, um, a really interesting fight. Let me see. Can you see uh, the UFC website right now or no? Yep. Check out the rankings real quick. Because obviously he's not beating John Jones. He's not beating Tom Aspinall. But who is he beating? He's beating, I think... Marcos Rogerio, probably Rodrigo Nascimento, Derek Lewis. I think. I mean, what a good fight that would be, man. Justin Ty, yeah, I'd like to see that. Love that fight. Love the fight with Taito Ivasa. Taito Ivasa has a fight coming up. I think Jalen Almeida probably handles him. Curtis Blades, lowest fight IQ in the division. I mean, it, you know, it's an interesting fight. He's got he's got some uh, some interesting. Um, you know, fights there. So, yeah, dude, I think it's a much – it's what the UFC wants, clearly. So, yeah, give us both. Tough a knockout round two for Jared, round one for me. Let's go back here. We've got Alex's lock of the card, which is fucking wild to me. Alex is on Mackenzie Dern at plus 110. Dude, I don't know if this guy just wants to fuck this girl or what's going on. I want to fuck her, but I'm not betting on her. Okay, I'm on Amanda Lamoche, dude. Amanda Lamoche has some clean boxing. She got her ass handed to her by Zhang Weili or Weili Zhang, however you say her name. I know that she's Chinese, so they do it backwards over there. 
I'm not trying to be offensive. I actually really respect Zhang Weili or Weili Zhang again. Sorry, dude. After this fight, what do you think Amanda Lemosh is doing? If you're Amanda Lemosh, you, you you have some fight experience, right? If you went in there and you just got taken down over and over again and you looked like a fucking bitch on the ground, what are you doing when you're going back to your fight camp? Well, of course, you're working on that takedown defense. Thank you. I think that's what, what, what Amanda Lemosh is doing. I think she comes back. Mackenzie Dern, very well known for her superior takedowns, right? I mean, this has got 100% takedowns, right? Kidding. She's got like 19% takedown accuracy. 14%. 14%. I gave her five free percentage points. Um, 14% takedown accuracy. She's not taking Amanda Lamoche down. I think that we we might see a round one knockout from Amanda Lamoche. If you look at Mackenzie Dern, dude, she's training at LA Fitness. She's training, she doesn't have a head coach in this camp. Her head coach is her manager in this whole thing. The, the the I've like a lot of people have talked about they've never seen a fall from grace from a uh, fall from grace in the striking department from Angela Hill down to Jessica Andrade. Everyone thought after this loss from uh Yan Zhaonan, everyone was like, dude, Angela Hill's gonna go out there and fucking point fight Mackenzie Dern. And Mackenzie Dern actually like held her own on the feet. She didn't finish Angela Hill, but no one really finishes Angela Hill. But then going from doing that competing to getting knocked the fuck out by Aunt Jessica Andrade, who had lost her previous two fights in embarrassing fashion. I don't think that Mackenzie Dern's into it anymore. Uh, she's got more family photos and pictures of her dad and her daughter or whatever, uh, son or daughter. Um, not sure exactly uh, what, what kind of, you know, what the kid is. And um, yeah, that's nice. That's, that's sweet and everything, but dude, I don't want to see like this soft side of these fighters if I'm going to throw money down, man, I might actually have Amanda Lamoche, and she might actually be my fourth leg um, in my parlay because I know I have money on Lamoche. Um, But, dude, I'm, I'm just to cut to the chase. I'm very confident on Lamoche, and I think that she could potentially be your lock of the card. I, there's no such thing as locks in MMA betting. But I'm very confident that Amanda Lamoche, after that beating that she took for her first ever championship fight, uh, she goes out here and just fucking knocks Mackenzie Dern out or just beats the shit out of her over 15 minutes, man. What do you think? I think Mackenzie Dern has world-class jujitsu with the takedown accuracy of an infant. Her fucking striking. She is aggressive, but she's fucking sloppy. Her striking defense is bad. She actually tagged up Andrade a little bit. Before Andrade got her out of there, she actually had Andrade rocked for a second, which was a little crazy. But... She's probably sub or bust here. You nailed it right on the head. Lamos is fucking a good striker. She's tough. She's durable. And she got some real power behind her punches. There's a clear path to victory for her, and that's on the feet. The floor is lava. But um, I don't know why some voice inside of me is screaming, Mackenzie Dern's going to get a fluky sub. Because as much shit as Mackenzie Dern gets for her bad striking and bad takedown accuracy... She's still eight and four in the UFC. She's still found a way to win a lot of fights. I mean, I'm going against my own logic here, and I'm I'm siding with Dern. I don't. I'm going to take her to get the fluky sub in round one. Yeah, I, I bet you she maybe she's getting tagged up and dives for an ankle or something. I just feel the fluky sub. I think the line's too close. 
I think Lamos at minus 135 just feels one of those feels too good to be true. So I'm going to go ahead and say it's not true. Okay. Yeah, I've got, um, I'm going to take Lamos uh, KO, probably round two, um, just for the sake of this. Uh, I like the sub uh, round one call in your part because that's when they're dry and that's the the easiest time to get a, a fluky sub, as you say. But I just don't think that her heart's in it anymore. She's got a clear path to OnlyFans. I mean, she'll she'll make a ton of money on OnlyFans. And um, I just don't see it, man. Uh, she could also go and do this grappling shit. I mean, grappling is getting more and more famous on UFC Fight Pass. Um, you've heard people like Anthony Smith talk about how much money they make for the little amount of work that they have to do over there on UFC Fight Pass with the grappling competitions. And that's why you see these UFC fighters go in there and do this in the middle of fights. You know, Aljamain Sterling has done two. And there's no risk going in there and 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 fucking fighting, you know, in a grappling match, especially yep. when you're used to to striking and stuff like that. Um, it's not a fight, it's a competition, is what jujitsu is, right? There's no fighting involved in a jujitsu match. So um, yeah, man, you've got Dern sub one. I'm surprised that you're taking the jujitsu fighter with all the shit that you talk about jujitsu. Just- Dude, I normally don't do it. I just, I got this weird feeling she's going to pull it off. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes the, uh, the gut speaks and you got to listen, man. Uh, but yeah, I got Lamosh KO round two. And I think that, uh, a round two, round three, uh, bet is, is solid as well. We've got the first fight on the main card. Um, we got fucked up. I remember I was doing even odds. I'll I'll let you take this. I don't even know who the fuck was going, but we've got a a really good grappler, well rounded fighter versus just an outstanding striker, Anthony Flevy Hernandez versus Roman Kapalov. A lot of people say Hapalov. Not sure why, but it's Kapalov from what I've heard. It's not Brazilian. There's no R on the Kapalov. But, uh, yeah, man, who do you got between uh, Fluffy and uh, Roman Kapalov, and, and why? Dude, I was super, super conflicted on this fight. I've been really back and forth on it. Anthony Hernandez, he's he's very well-rounded. I think his best weapon is his cardio, because whatever pace this dude puts out early, he can keep that pace. Kapalov, a guy, great striking. I do not think Hernandez can hang with him on the feet for too long. I think he can probably hang with him on the feet long enough to open up some takedowns, but Coppola, I, I think there's a very big gap between him on the feet. Coppola's he's fast. He has great takedown defense. I think it's north of 90%. He's just, um, he's a guy that's hard to take down. He's a guy that's hard to stay away from at plus 150. He's on short notice here. And, you know, taking a fight, that's an opportunity to break into the rankings with Hernandez being number 14. Kapalov not ranked. I don't think that's a fight you want to take on short notice. Kind of like Volkanovski taking that rematch against Islam on short notice. Of course, you want you know you want the opportunity and you want the opportunity more than you're thinking about the timing. I don't think it was a good move for him to take this fight on short notice because Hernandez can put a hell of a pace on you and he's not going to go away. But you know, I, I see a lot of positives with both guys. I see a lot of negatives with both guys, at least as far as Kopolov, as good as he is at striking, he does get hit. And when he does get taken down, he really hasn't shown a great ability to get back up the few times he has been on his back. Hernandez is going to put it on him, man. It's it's hard not to think if this fight goes a distance, Hernandez is just going to rack up the control time. So 
I've just been super back and forth. I, I think a safer bet, I don't know what the line is, but I think a safe bet would be fight to go the distance. But, um, man, I mean, I, I, I'm just so back and forth. Fucking, at dog odds, fuck it. Give me Kopilov to win a decision. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, decision for Kopilov. Yeah, man, um, for me, dude, you know, this is my underdog lock, I think. You know, I, I mentioned that, um, you know, Lamoche is, is it seems to be like Lamoche is my lock other than, you know, the Miranda Maverick KGB fight going over 2.5. I think that's the absolute, you know, certainty on the card. But um, I've got, I've got Lamoche as a solid lock. And then for as far as like an underdog, if you're gunning ahead, pick an underdog. I've got Kapalov, man. I know this is a relatively short notice fight, but, you know, Kapalov's out there training with the Dagestanis. Everyone knows this, but, you know, that takedown defense is, has improved just fight over fight. And he's looked really good. Yeah, he got pieced up a little bit by Josh Fremd. He he had a little bit of struggle and whatnot. But Josh Fremd has this weird way, even though I think he's one of the worst to ever do it. I think that the the reason that he's so bad is because he has the ability to win almost every fight that he's in. He finds a way to lose. Like, I hate these dudes that find a way to lose somehow, right? And if Robert Whitaker ends up doing this, he's not going to be one of the worst to ever do it. Obviously, he's one of the best to ever do it. But he's turning into one of these guys that just finds a way to lose. He should have beat DDP. Um, right. You know, not to get sidetracked here, but there's guys that find ways to win and there's guys that find ways to lose. And I think that Fremd uh, finds ways to lose, even though he's, uh, you know, a fairly talented dude. He's just, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to find, find his uh, groove. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm all in on here on, uh, on Kapilov. I've got him. He was one of the first bets that I made. Uh, I put 20 on him, which is a unit for me at plus 158. He's since climbed. So I might actually put more on him at better odds, but I, I really think that he does win, man. And, and, you know, Anthony Hernandez is one of these underrated guys. So I am a little bit worried about that. He's got a great pace. He weaponizes cardio, much like Marab, not quite to that extent, but it's going to be an interesting fight, man. But I think Kapilov gets it done. And I think he finds a finish um, in in round three by KL. I mean, he, he tends to do this late round two, round three. That's when he likes to finish dudes. He doesn't hunt for knockouts. He lets them kind of come to him. So I think he gets that, whether he catches uh fluffy coming in or, or whatever happens. I think he finds that man. Um, Moving on up. Marab Davalashvili versus Henry Cejudo, who uh, fake fired his coach on embedded. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. He was trolling. That was weird. Yeah, he did not fire the coach. That coach is supposedly going to be in his corner. I saw that in an interview. Yep. Uh, weird, weird, weird move. Um, it would be funny, though, to do that and then have Marab hire the coach like it kind of looked like was going to happen before Embedded dropped. And then, uh, you know, they have, like, some hand signals about what's going to happen or some shit. That's some shit that uh, Triple C would do. I, I know everyone's on the side of Marab, man, and, and I'm going to be on the side of Triple C here, dude. I know it's a crazy side to be on, but think about what's going on here. Marab gets 11 takedowns or whatever it is against Peter Yan, right? Or Piotr Yan, whatever the fuck. 
Piotr Jan is a boxer with great takedown defense. I think he shot like 50 takedowns or something, right? Lands at a at, at a essentially a 20% clip, maybe a little bit above that with 11 to 50. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but let's just say 20 just to keep it simple. Lands at a 20% clip. The narrative out there is that if Aljamain Sterling with his bad takedowns and and mediocre pace can take down Henry Cejudo, what is Marab going to do to him? He's going to maul him, right? I don't think so. I think that Aljamain Sterling is a 165-pound dude. You know, he should be fighting probably in lightweight, realistically. Um, I think more more weight divisions should be introduced into the UFC because of people like this. I mean, if you if you walk around at 170, 180, 190, is what some people have said, and then you drop down to 135, that doesn't seem fair, man. Like, I understand that you can do this, and if you can make the weight, you can fight, right? That just doesn't seem fair to me, though. I think that there should be some kind of rule where you introduce, like, there's a percentage weight cut. You can max max weight that you can cut is 5%. Walking around weight, you cut five percent, eight percent maybe, and that's what—that's the most that you can do. Um, Aljamain Sterling's a big, fucking, strong guy. He's a well-rounded guy. He's got a weird style. Henry Cejudo comes back out of like three years out of retirement, something like that. Two years, maybe. Do you know off the top of your head how long that was? I believe three. Three years out of retirement, fights the champion and won that fight. By the way, Henry Cejudo won that fight, dude. I disagree. Well, that's fine. But going out there and fighting the way that he did off the couch, right? I know he wasn't fighting off the couch. He prepared for this fight and whatnot. But fighting this guy and 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 fighting his fight, he fought Aljamain Sterling's fight. I think he goes out there and in a three-round fight, I think he fucking stuffs some takedowns and potentially catches Marab, man. Even in the Ricky Simone fight where Marab got knocked out, Marab took down Ricky Simone multiple times, and Ricky Simone ground and pounded this dude. So I think Henry Cejudo does something similar, and I think that the UFC hates Marab so fucking much that in a close decision, I think Cejudo wins this fight. Um, because we know, you know, the judges are supposed to be impartial and whatnot, but I think that in this case, the judges kind of know what's going to happen, what 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 they they know what the UFC wants. And the UFC doesn't like Marab. The UFC doesn't like Henry either because of his fucking retirement in the middle of his title reign, being a double champ. But at the same time, Henry Cejudo is more entertaining. He's more accomplished. He's more liked. And um, whether it's decision, I'm going to wait to give my method until you give your talks here. But whether it's decision, knockout, submission, whatever it is, I think Cejudo gets this done, dude. And I think it shocks a lot of people, man. What do you think? You know, I, I get all your reasoning. You bring up a lot of good points. Um, I, Marab is he's my lock of the card, man. When uh, hearing Triple C talk about retirement again, if he he's already said if he doesn't win this fight, he's done. He either wants it all or he doesn't want anything. So if you're already thinking about retirement, it's an automatic fade for me. That makes I sense. think Mar- I mean, and I, of course, he's got the wrestling skill. You know, Olympic gold medalist doesn't happen by accident. But that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. He's already been retired. He's come out of retirement. He's looked fat between he's, you know, he's gotten out of shape. It seemed like he fell more into a coaching role and then seen other guys fighting and it made him want to get back into it. He loses to Aljo and now he's like, all right, well, if I don't win this one, I'm going back into retirement. So 
I just, I don't think his head's in the right place coming in here. I think he's had an amazing career, but I think his time is done. I think it's Marab's time. And Marab, now I know he's going against a great wrestler, but the pressure wrestling of Marab is just absolutely relentless. And that Piotr Jan fight, he did hang with Peter or Piotr Jan on the feet. He was hanging with him. Granted, he was spamming takedown after takedown, but he did some good work on the feet. He's a guy with a high output, keeps a crazy pace that can hold that pace, and he doesn't get hit a lot. I think this is going to be a very competitive fight, but I'm siding with Marab all day, and I give Henry Cejudo at least enough respect to go the distance. So give me Marab by decision. Well, yeah, you're not going out too far on a limb there because Marab never finishes fights, right? So, yeah, that's uh, that's safe. I think that's actually very wise, and I like how you put it there. You you should be a salesman, dude. Um, fuck, man. You know, everything you say, dude, it makes sense. Like, it does make sense. Just for some reason, I get this feeling, and I have a similar feeling later on the card, too, where um, actually a couple feelings, and, and I'm excited as fuck. So excited for this main card, man, because there's, I think, a couple of things that are going to be just weird that happen, man. I think this this has the potential to be the greatest card of the year. Sure. Um, if things work out the way that I see them. But um, I see a lot of upsets on this on this main card, and, and uh, I have a lot of dogs, not to spoil it. But, yeah, dude, um, I'm not going to take all dogs on this main card, so maybe if I do end up switching, I might switch to Marab because everything that you say makes sense. You sold it really well, and and everyone is on that side. But it's just to the point where it's like, man, it's sketchy to me. It's sketchy. Like, Henry Cejudo, you just can't doubt the dude, man. Um, you can't doubt him. He He's very good. I think he is potentially the greatest combat sports athlete of all time, which I don't like the guy's personality, Suppose he's a great dude, you know, behind the scenes, kind of similar to Colby Covington, just not to the extent of the shit talking and his persona. He's kind of just more cringe. But, um, yeah, man, I like Henry Cejudo, dude. So we'll see what happens. I'd, I'd love to see an American just fucking hand this Georgian fucking inbred dude his ass. But we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Um, I started that one, right? So you get one of my favorite fights on this card. And I actually have a card of Jeff Neal coming, a jumbo patch. Yeah. Jeff Neal coming in. Jeff Neal, hands of steel, baby, versus Ian Machado Gary. And I don't want to hear anything in the breakdown, you know, if you want to bring it up. But if if anyone else out there wants to talk about how Ian Gary's a cuck and all this stuff, he's not in there fighting with his wife. He's not in there fighting with his wife's boyfriend. He's not in there doing anything with anyone but himself. The guy is a talented fucking fighter. I don't care what anyone says. The personality shit goes out the window here. Uh, You can be the biggest piece of shit in the world or the greatest person in the world, and it does not matter when it comes to what is going on between those eight walls of the octagon there, dude. So I want to hear what you have in this. Looking at their records, it seems one-sided. But I'm curious what you think in this fight, and I will argue with you. I'm sure on this one. Yeah, we'll see. I'll give you. I'll give you my take on each guy. With Jeff Neal, he's a finisher. He's got heavy hands. Dude hits fucking hard. He's a counter striker. He wants to pull you into his power. Uh, he's a good boxer, and that's that's his best weapon. Is that boxing and landing those hands of steel. 
when you look over at Ian Gary, he's a long, slick striker. He is tall for the division, and he's he's just got solid kicks. He mixes them into the boxing really well, and um, he's training that shoot box now with um, Charles Oliveira. But um, so that's good for his ground game. If it does go there, I think he definitely might have some tricks up his sleeve. But he's got high volume, man. He manages the range really well on the feet. And when you can control range, you can control a whole fight. Jeff Neal, he needs this fight to get within boxing range. He needs to get inside the pocket. He needs to blitz. He needs to try to take that space away from Ian Gary. But Ian Gary, he understands how that space works really well. He knows how to manage his distance. And I think as long as he can control this range, he can control the whole fight. And controlling range, that's one of the things he does the best. So I'm going to side with Ian Gary here to keep Jeff Neal out of boxing range, keep him at the end of his punches and his kicks. And if he needs to mix in some grappling, I think he has some in his back pocket. So give me Ian Gary to win a decision. Gary, by decision. Yeah, I think that's the only way that he wins. I think the best bet, best fucking bet in this fight is Jeff Neal, decision, no action. Right? There's a couple of these bets in this card. I don't think that Jeff Neal necessarily wins a decision. I think that, um, you know, Ian Gary can get dropped. He can get knocked out. He can get finished. The judge, or the ref, I should say, is going to give him every opportunity in the world. If he gets dropped and he gets his ass beaten up on the ground, they're going to uh, they're going to give him every opportunity that they can to to come back. So, dude, I like Jeff Neal. He's the guy that got me into, um, or one of the guys that got me into UFC betting. Man, I did a uh, five leg parlay, and this is a this is kind of a curse. It's a gift and a curse. Juliana Miller. Goat, Jeff Neal, Sergey uh, Sergey Spivak, and um, Jamal Hill in a five leg parlay in the main event of a fight night card. I parlayed them all up. Jeff Neal was an underdog. Jamal Hill was an underdog, and uh, I parlayed all these guys up. Turned five bucks into like one hundred twenty dollars, and I've been hooked ever since, man. That'll do it. Yeah. Juliana Miller, I realize where she is, and I will not be betting on her anymore, but she did hand that girl her ass when she fought. Uh, actually finished her. I think that's the only time that she's ever finished anyone. But literally looking at Jeff Neal and the way that he does shit, this dude's hands are insane, man. He beat the fuck out of Vincente Luque, right? Is it Vicente with an N or without an N? I think it's with an N. With an N? Okay. Either way, I guess we can look it up right here. Oh, no, it's Vicente. That's what I always... Look at this. Mandela effect right there, dude. But Dude, actually, wait. Speaking of that, I I just had an ultimate mindfuck today. A wheelbarrow? Wheelbarrow? I thought... Yeah, wheelbarrow? Like, are you saying that with an L at the end? No, wheelbarrow. Yeah, I never fucking knew that. I've been saying wheelbarrow my whole life. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just like mishearing it. Like, th- there was this thing that I used to do. So, have you ever heard the the phrase farting like a pack mule? No. Okay, this must be something out here. Maybe just, you know, my my hick parents 
who I love very much. Me and my parents are very close. But there's this thing that they would always say, my dad especially, his parents are Southern. And they would say, you're farting like a pack mule. And I thought it was farting like a pack meal the whole time. Oh, that kind of makes, makes more sense. Farting like a pack meal, like farting like you eat, like you ate a shitty packed lunch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Makes a little yeah. more sense. The, the way that I guess, you know, mules fart a lot. And when you pack shit on top of them, it makes them fart more because the shit's slapping their stomach. I don't get either one of them. But yeah, it's just like hearing it wrong, right? Or how about um, I got fucking another one. I've been saying uh, rattled up. Like when somebody gets rattled up, it's riled up. Yeah, riled. I've been saying rattled forever. Oh, boy. No one's ever fucking corrected me. They probably I, I said it to my girl the other day. She's like, rattled? And I'm like, fucking, yeah, you <laughs> ever heard that expression? She's like, it's fucking riled. And I looked it up, and I'm like, I even typed into Google, is it riled or rattled up? Nothing about rattled at all. It's all fucking riled. Yeah, man. You should have asked me before you asked her, man. You don't want to look that embarrassed. I didn't ask her. I was using it like I was saying. I was telling her a story. Like, yeah, this guy was all rattled up. She's like, rattled up. What did you think it was like rattled like a rattlesnake? Yeah, like you're getting all fu- like you're like a maraca. Like you're getting all rattled up. Makes sense. You're getting all pissed and rattled up. You know, the I, fuck's a rile? I don't know, man. Neither one exactly makes sense to be honest. But yeah, that's wild. Um, I don't know, dude. I think that that uh, Jeff Neal gets rattled up right here against Ian Gary, and I think he actually gets this done, dude. I I really think that he finishes him. I'm a big fan, though, man. I, I love Jeff Neal. Um, he's a bit of a head case, so this is something that you have to worry about if you're betting on him. He's had some health problems. If he makes it to fight week, like every time that he fights, he always says after he loses, he always talks about, even if he wins, he talks about how, you know, it's a miracle that I got to this fight and, and you know, all this shit. He always talks about his health, and I know he he almost died from sepsis, man, and sepsis is an actual thing. Like, it's a fucking dangerous problem and i don't know if you're familiar with sepsis but it's like a blood infection basically and it's it's dangerous man like uh my my uncle before he passed away uh you know he actually had that from what i understand i don't know everything about that but um it happens a lot when you have surgery it can happen if you um you know if you get like a staph infection you can get sepsis i mean it sounds like what jeff neal suffers from is probably like some kind of autoimmune disease and um you know, shit affects him like more than it should. You know, he gets a flu and it fucks with him much worse than it should. It seems like he he's a fucking nerd trapped in a fucking badass's body, basically. You know what I mean? Like a bubble boy trapped in a fucking boxer's body. So I hope that he does this. I hope he gets it done, man. I know so many people want him to win. Ian Gary's a tall fucking task. And um, it is interesting that Ian Gary is fighting down, right? So there's no need for Ian Gary to take this fight. Um, let's just double check. That. No, he's not fighting down. He's uh, number 10 against number eight. Let's see. Number 10 against number eight. Yeah. Gary's being 10. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So he is moving up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I know they were talking about Stephen Thompson too. He, he said that uh, Ian Gary said that Stephen Thompson would never take a fight against him, which I agree with. I think Stephen Thompson is, at this point in his, his career, he's taken uh, strategic fights. In, uh, it's hard to be strategic in the top 10, though. There's nowhere to hide, especially in this weight. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I actually really do like um, 
I, I've kind of grown cold of Colby, man, after like his last uh, shit talking fucking show, and then yeah, I mean, over, just, it was all rehearsed and all bad taste as he fucking stumbles through his reverse line or rehearse lines. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to the seven layers of hair. Hell. Yeah, seventh layer of hair, dude. Oh boy. Actually, but, uh, I remember I posted uh, Kobe would win via seventh layer hair. <laughs> well, dude, and I've seen memes of like the seven layer of hair, and it's just like just photoshopped layers of hair on him. <laughs> but like with uh, with what he was uh, talking about there, what was I saying before that? Completely lost my fucking train of thought there. Whatever. Yeah. Now that's the thing: train or trade of thought. Train. Yeah. Okay. Because some people say trade. Oh, dude, you were fucking me up for a second. I'm like, is that another fucking thing this week? I'm learning. I've been saying fucking wrong my whole life. <laughs> yeah, trade of thought. No, yeah, train of thought. You're right on. Okay, so yeah, I got Jeff Neal, dude. Jeff Neal by, uh, I think it happens by finish. And believe it or not, I think that Jeff Neal might actually shoot a takedown, dude. Um, I-, I think that he mixes the martial arts here. And with General Safe Sayud. You're going to hear him screaming to circle to the right or scale to the right or whatever. He's, I mean, Safe Sayud's going to be fucking yelling. You're not going to hear it as much because he's not in the apex. But uh, with Safe Sayud in your corner, man, you always he always gets the best out of his fighters. He does a good job. He's going to make sure Jeff Neal comes in with every advantage he can possibly have. And I think he fucking pulls this off. I think he fucking finishes this cuck, dude. Um, again, I don't want to hear anybody talking shit about him being a cuck, but... He's kind of a cuck, dude. I, I I hate the guy's personality. And he seems like such a sociopath, dude. If you watch his um, interview, when when he talks with the guys, he's like, hey, man, how are you? How are we doing? Thank you for being here. It's like like, he, like he's like talking down to everyone. Yeah, it's weird. And, and just like overly nice. It's like, dude, you, everyone hates you. What are you doing? Yeah. Just another reason to not like him. I'm sure you've seen all the shit about uh, Elia Taporia's Instagram and how he's already made it 15 and 0 UFC yeah. champion. Well, guess what? Ian Gary goes on Instagram and changes his shit to 14 and 0. It's like he, you know, he's just trying to find a fucking identity. It's like, dude, just fucking be yourself. But him being himself <laughs> clearly has not worked out. Yeah, he's not. A, he, he's um. <laughs> I I don't have you heard of Tim Dillon? No, I uh, that sounds familiar. It sounds like he's a singer. And um, he made this great like comparison of like, you know, there's these guys out there that are cool in society, but then when you kind of get to know them a little bit more, they just it just ruins it for you. And he was talking about Ron DeSantis. You know, you're familiar with Ron DeSantis, right? Yep, the presidential candidate or whatever, fucking governor of Florida. And um, Ron DeSantis seems like this badass dude, but then like he's he's basically the way that he broke it down was like he's like this guy that transfers over from like you're in high school. He transfers over from a different high school and he's the greatest quarterback. He's potentially going to go pro and he's just a fucking badass dude. He's a fucking peak athlete and you're hanging out with this guy and, and at school and you realize like, dude, this guy's the shit. And then you invite him to a party. And then he gets over to your parents' house while your parents are out of town. Everyone's at the house, and you guys are drinking beers in the front yard. And he's sitting there, and he's saying, hey, this driveway isn't level. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's regulation. You guys should get this looked at, right? And it's like, 
what the fuck are you talking about, dude? We're just trying to have fun. You know what I mean? Like, why are you bringing up fucking regulations and all this bullshit that does not matter to what we're actually doing right now? That's kind of what Gary is, dude. He's kind of like this guy where it's like, oh, man, just kind of just just have your persona online and don't let us into your life too much because it's not good. You're not cool. You're not fun. You're a fucking nerd. Um, similar to, um, to Jeff Neal, who he's fighting here, who seems kind of like a nerd trapped in a fucking stud's body, dude. Like, that's what it is. Two nerds with, uh, avatars, basically. It's like an anime fight. Dude, that is hysterical. That's so on point. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see which, uh, which, uh, attack on Titan character fucking wins here. But yeah, dude, you got Gary by decision. I like that. I got Neil, uh, KO round two. That's just kind of what I do when I don't really know. Uh, I'm realizing I'm taking all dogs on this card so far, and it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, a nice sneaky bet, though. I don't hate Ian Gary by sub at plus 800. I I might punt a little bit on that. Okay. I'm writing that down here on the side. I mean, Gary Moneyline is going to be the bet, but I might have to punt a little bet on him by submission. Training that shoot box, and it was just you mentioning that Jeff Neal might be shooting some takedowns here. I'm like, bring him on. I love it. Rolling around with Charles Oliveira. Yeah, but, I mean, who knows, man? Like, I think that's going to be his long-term camp since he's fucking, you know, having problems at Killcliffe and everywhere else he's been. Yeah, I think he'll get kicked out of there too, man. No one fucking likes being around this guy, man. And, that, like, that's, like... It, it just that's got a way on your soul a little bit. I, I know that he's a sociopath. He's in my head. He's a confirmed sociopath. I think that he genuinely doesn't care what people think about him, but he cares about his persona and he cares about, Oh, let me, let me rephrase it. Let me say he cares so much about what people think about him. As long as it affects his like legacy and his wallet you know, his bank account, all these things. Um, he, he, for the first time, you know, he experienced that, that, that fucking side of like what they call uh defamation. You know, he's been doing nothing but defaming people. He defamed Jeff. Right. Neal. He defamed Neil Magny. And then when they catch a fucking shred of it, they say, we're going to sue you. That's Bro, not- he's a fucking definition of condition, but can't take it. Exactly. We all grew up with kids like that. Uh-huh. Fucking dorks. thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, and, and he's, uh, I mean, he grew up wealthy. I mean, that's a fact. He grew up, he grew up very wealthy and, uh, he's, he's a martial artist. He's not a fighter. And I think that Jeff Neal is a little bit of both, but I think he's more of a fighter. And I'll always take the fighter over the martial artist because like the, the same way. And we've talked about this not recording the, the problem that I have. And maybe you have the same problem with these jujitsu guys, these guys that just pound jujitsu and they've never fought competitively they just train jujitsu similar to the nerds that we knew in in elementary school that did karate right these guys if you fought them on the street and they got you in a rear naked choke and you tapped they would be stupid enough to let you go and then you'd get up and elbow the fuck out of them until they fucking died you know what i mean right (laughs) that's, that's the difference between a martial artist and a fighter so I don't know, man. I, I think that Ian, Ian uh, Machado, Gary, is a martial artist, and Jeff Neal's a little bit of both, but more of a fighter. So that's why I'm going with uh, with the non-cuck here. But this is you to start. Robert Whitaker, the Reaper, dude. The Reaper versus Paulo Costa. I actually think this fight's going to happen, by the way. 
I really do. I think, think so too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Everyone's saying, Oh, I'm going to be fucking blown away if this fight happens, but I think it's happening. Uh, there's so much to gain here for the meme Lord. He should change his nickname to the meme Lord, Paulo Costa. What do you think about this, man? Dude, Paulo Costa, meme Lord. I mean, he posted a meme that said petition to kill Paulo Costa. If he pulls out of this fight, it's like, he just, I, I love it. He reads the shit and he plays right into it. He's hilarious. Um, is it, Funny as he is, you know, as active as he is on social media, he's very inactive as far as fighting. And he's had um fights than actual fights in the last five years. Yeah, but every but every time you do see him fight, he is tough. He's always like he's willing to brawl, he's willing to wrestle, he's willing to go wherever the fight goes. Um he's definitely gonna have a little bit of ring rust, I think, coming in here, even though he had that rock hold fight. You know, that Rockhold fight was a while ago, but and that's nothing. That, and that wasn't a good, you know, that was supposed to be a tune up fight. And that, that was a Rockhold gave him a tough fight. And Rockhold wanted to quit several times during it. And he still managed to give Costa a tough fight. Uh, the dude's built like a Greek fucking god, but he doesn't have the powers of one. I mean, you look over at Robert Whitaker, fucking great, super respectable career. And that great career, he has taken a lot of damage over the course of. There is a chance that he's on the decline, but I don't want to say that because if, you know, if he didn't lose to DDP, I wouldn't be saying that he might be on the decline. So I don't want to shit on him too much for that fight, even though that was a fight that he absolutely should have won. But end of the day, Robert Whitaker, he's tough. He's well-rounded. He's a, he's a definition of a complete fighter. He's good everywhere. He didn't look like himself his last time out. I think he's going to, look like himself this time against a rusty Paulo Costa. So give me Robert Whitaker. I want to say a finish, but you know what? I think it's going to be a fucking, I think it'll be a fun fight. I think Costa is rust as much ring rust as he might have. I think he'll give him a little run for his money. So give me Robert Whitaker by decision. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, uh, he's not known despite having the name, the Reaper, he's not known for power. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Paulo Costa is. You look at his record here: eleven wins by knockout, one win by submission, and two wins by decision. The guy does not like going the distance. You look at Robert Whitaker; he's going to have, you know, quite a few decision wins. He's got nine wins by knockout, ten wins by decision, five wins by submission. Very well-rounded dude. Um, I agree with you, man. Uh, I don't know if I if I a hundred percent agree with the decision element. Because I think that Paulo Costa is going to bring the fight out of Robert Whitaker, and I think that Robert might come out there and he might have something to prove in his head, where he wants to come out there and and actually finish this this young stud. I mean, Paulo Costa is a fucking beast, like you said. He's only a year younger, actually. I thought he was much younger. Um, he's the same age as I am, dude, and uh, I look way older than this motherfucker. So. What's interesting here to me is like it, it is kind of a tale of two fighters. Paulo Costa is going to come out there, like you said, with the ring rust. But I mean, is he going to be more fresh than Robert Whitaker? Who knows? I mean, we're not. Paulo Costa is such a fucking mystery. I would not hate anyone taking a Paulo Costa knockout line. You know what I mean? I, I think that it makes sense to take Paulo Costa by knockout. Um, just overall, um, that's probably like, you know, how on FanDuel, do you use FanDuel ever? 
Uh, only when I'm in Massachusetts and okay. I live just over the border now. So for whatever reason, I can drive five minutes down the street and use FanDuel, but I can't use it here. So I'm DraftKings. Okay. So DraftKings probably has the same thing where it's like method of victory. And it'll say like so-and-so by points, so-and-so by knockout, so-and-so by submission, all these things. And it does it in ascending order, like the most likely thing that's going to happen, minus odds usually. I think that you're going to see Robert Whitaker by points plus 100 maybe. And then Paulo Costa by knockout is going to be the very next thing, plus 120, something like that. Check it right now. Would you say Robert? Would you say Whitaker by decision? Uh, plus one hundred or minus one ten? Plus one ten. Okay, right plus on the money. ten, and then Paulo Costa would be. I think the next likely method would be Paulo Costa by knockout plus one thirty five. The next most likely one would be Whitaker by KO at plus two fifty, and then the next one would be Costa by KO at plus four hundred. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I would absolutely put some money. On Paulo Costa by knockout there. 10 bucks to get you 40. Um, but I think the most likely outcome is Robert Whitaker by, by either decision or knockout. And um, I'm going Robert Robert Whitaker by decision, man. I think he gets it done. So, I don't know, man. What a tough fight, though, to call. And it's so interesting. It's going to be a great fight, dude. I'm, I'm going to be hyped for this whole main card. I'm tempted to buy it, man, because I don't want my shit to cut out. But 80 bucks is a lot. What do you use for your stream? Stream East or Crack Streams. And it works. Okay. Uh, the Stream East has definitely been the most consistent for me as far as not fucking up. Um, do you use Meth Streams ever? No, I use Crack Streams, though. I, I use Crack Streams, too. So I have, like, my f- go-to is Stream East. If Stream East shits on me, I'll go to Meth Streams, and then I'll go to Crack Streams. But... I think the stream East is usually the most consistent one. Yeah. It's just when it cuts out, it fully shuts off. What do you, um, so how do you watch it though? Like, are you, you know, watching on your phone and airplane to your TV or how are you doing it? No, I do it with, uh, well, yeah, in, in this case, I would be using a computer plugged in with an HDMI cord. Okay. Cause I do like, I do the screen sharing on my laptop and fucking like same thing as airplay, like project it to my TV. And it seems to work the best with the laptop. I, when I'm on the phone, it seems to fuck up more than when I'm on a laptop. Yeah, I like to hardwire it in. I use the HDMI cord. So it's the same thing, but it's just, you know, not, not a Wi-Fi or screen sharing or whatever. Oh, dude, I, when I first got this laptop, I, it's a fucking MacBook Pro, and I thought it was all awesome. And I was, like, so happy that instead of doing AirPlay from my phone, I can just plug the HDMI in and plug it into my TV. And I fucking, dude, I got home and I was like, yo, this thing doesn't even have an HDMI. It has fucking yeah. four, four different places that you can charge it from, but no yeah. HDMI. Futuristic, dude. They don't want you doing that shit. Thank God they got that screen sharing shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. No, that's why, uh, you know, I, I have a, a Mac for my for my work shit. But yeah, dude, I mean, Windows, I mean, they're 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 fully on board with you fucking stealing shit. But Apple is not for some reason. Bunch of fucking capitalists i guess but uh let's move on here to the main event man we tend to agree uh i just don't know if if whitaker's gonna come out and make a statement or if he's gonna be extra cautious and one of the two might bite him on the ass but let's move on to the main event man um i think you started that last one right yeah i think so 
It doesn't really matter. Either yeah, way. Cares. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. I've as I've done this over the last week, I've thought over and over again, Andre Arlovsky for some reason. I don't know why, but Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Taporia, the Georgian Greek uh god. I mean, he's uh, really Spanish by uh by where he's at right now. Man, what a fucking fight. Let's not give our picks right now. I want to make sure you don't have to piss or nothing, right? You're good? I do not. No, I was just grabbing another beer. Okay. Um, Give me your thoughts on this. Don't give your pick. Let's go back and forth a little bit before we give our picks. Okay. Uh, who do you think has the better boxing out of these two guys? All right. Well, I'm definitely going to say Elia has the better boxing. I, I hate saying anyone's better than Volkanovsky at anything because he always, he loves to prove me wrong. Or not prove me wrong, but prove the masses wrong. Right. Just a quick stat about Elia. I'm sure you've probably seen this online. In his professional career, in those 14 fights, he has never thrown a body kick and he's never thrown a head kick. Okay. Isn't that fucking crazy? He's only throwing leg kicks in boxing. He's punched to the body, right? He's punched to the body, but it's just, it's kind of crazy that he's never thrown a kick to the head or body. Maybe it's crazier to me because I've been playing the UFC video game and his kicks in that game are fucking crazy. Yeah. So it doesn't really, you know, it threw me off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. I mean, just to think about being a mixed martial artist and essentially you're getting your way to the top by boxing. Hey, if it works for you, though, you know, you look at all these greats like uh, Anderson Silva, the kickboxing, you know, and that range, he, he never changed because that's what worked. Yeah, but kickboxing seems so much more versatile than... Or how about Khabib? All right, but another example, low-hanging fruit, but Khabib with the wrestling. Super one-dimensional, but he never changed because it works. Yeah, when you're so good at one thing... Right. You can avoid the other things, right? Like That's Ilya, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you know... Yeah, when you're when you're so good at one thing, you don't need to work on other things. But at what point do you need to work on other things? Because you have somebody like Volkanovsky who was so fucking good. No one thought that this dude was going to give um, Islam Makachev any kind of problems when he first fought. Now, the second time, obviously, he got knocked the fuck out. It wasn't that bad of a knockout, though, to be honest. It was kind of like a grazing knockout off of his temple, and it just put him out. It wasn't like damaging horrible knockout it was just like yeah this dude's out let's call this um this guy this guy the first time he fought islam i was blown away by his wrestling that wrestling was oh yeah bad. so let me ask you this who's got the better wrestling uh, i mean you have to say volkanovsky although i'm i'm pretty high on tapiria's wrestling too but yeah i mean Given that performance against Islam, that's got to solidify him as a, having the grappling advantage here. If it's an advantage, it's not like it, there's a huge fucking gap between them, but you can't argue with what your eyes tell you. I mean, he looked phenomenal in that fight. Now, in your head, do you do you separate grappling and wrestling? Yes, of course. So who's the better grappler? I think... Uh, see, that's hard to say too, man. Because Volkanovski's jujitsu coach is Craig Jones, one of the, right. you know one of the best jujitsu nerds out there. Yeah. So, choke that uh, it, Jones. It's just tough, man, because it's hard to range where where some of Elia's skills are, just because of 
you know, with the how different their careers are and how much more experience Volkanovski has with that strength of schedule, it's like hard to range how good Elia really, or at least his grappling skills really are because he hasn't had someone like Islam challenging his grappling. Volkanovski had someone like Islam challenging it. I mean, granted, he was losing some grappling positions, but he stuffed some takedowns. I believe he got a takedown or two of his own. Ah, yeah, all right, fuck it. I'll say Volkanovski. Okay. Yeah, man. So, so I... far, we got, wait, so, so far, we got boxing for Ilya and grappling for Volkanovski. And, and, and wrestling, it sounds like, is for Volkanovski as well. It, yeah, it, ha- it has to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree. Um, but I will say, I think that the grappling edge in my head goes to, to Ilya. I think that the better wrestler is Volkanovsky. So, so far, I've got the better boxing and the better grappling on the side of Ilya. You've got the better wrestling on the side. Uh, I'm sorry. You've got the better grappling and wrestling on the side of Volkanovsky, but the better boxing on the side of Ilya. So, I mean, it's close. The kicks... I mean, obviously, the kicks have to go to Volk, right? I mean, he'll he'll mix them up a little bit better. Sure. Um, I don't know how else you can really quantify it. The cardio, what about the gas tank? I think the gas tank has to go to Volkanovski, in my opinion, as well, right? Yep. It seems like really... The- how about the chin? The chin is tough. The chin is really tough because it seems like up until recently, very recently, Volkanovski's chin has looked uncrackable. And then he gets knocked out one time, and it was TKO. It wasn't a, a full out knockout, cold fucking knockout, but he was dropped. He was, you know, by a head kick, which that shouldn't have happened by a wrestler. But then you can also think about it from two schools of thought, where it's like this dude is expecting a wrestling tournament fucking setting, and then he gets fucking head kicked by a wrestler, right? Um, Great game, about, like Jesus Aguilar. He got the quickest knockout in his fight uh, last time on the Mexican uh, Independence Day card because this dude that he was fighting, he was fighting a shit fighter. I forget who it was. But this guy just goes in there, this midget. I mean, Jesus Aguilar is tiny. Goes in there, throws a mean overhand right first thing and connects because you're dipping your head down, you're throwing an overhand right. As you're as you're you're thinking that you're fighting a grappler or a wrestler, you're thinking he's going down. So you're just focusing on that. Your hands are down here by your waist, and you get caught on your head. Right? It's the same thing when you're fighting Islam Makachev. You're thinking that he, whenever he's moving weird, you think he's going to shoot in. So Volkan caught lacking there, but I don't know, man. Um, give me your thoughts on this, dude. Give me your thoughts on this fight as a whole. What you think happens? I love the, the the commercial that the Australian book, the betting book, had with uh, Volk's Too Old. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I will pull it up as soon as you're done talking here. What do you think about this fight? Oh, man, this is su- – I mean, this is such a hard fight, dude. We bring up so many strengths of both guys, and it's, like, hard to find weaknesses in either guy. Of course, Volkanovski is the more proven fighter. Um, I think there's only been – two times I've ever gone against him. And that was against Islam. I mean, this is not a guy that I like to go against. I mean, too old. I just, I'm gonna, I feel like this fight could play a very close and it could go to a split decision. And I don't know. I feel like no matter which way this fight goes, somebody's going to think they got robbed. Oh, yeah. I, as much as I hate going against Volkanovsky, 
I'm going to go with the younger guy who probably has a speed advantage. And, I mean, Ilya Taporia, man, he is – granted, the guy's – you know, his strength of schedule is not bad either. You know, like, the guys he's fighting aren't slouches, but obviously he doesn't have the same track record as Volkanovsky. But this dude has absolutely dismantled or destroyed every single guy he's fought in the UFC. So, I, I'm going to go with Ilya. I'm going to say and new. I, I hate going against Volk- Volkanovski, but I'm going to do it. Ilya, de- I'm going to take Ilya by decision. Ilya decision. I've got Ilya knockout round three, man. That's what I've got. I think that wow. he actually gets this done. I think that he finishes this guy, man. It's not because Volk's too old or anything like that, but uh, just an interesting dominant fighter this guy is. Um, and And just the... It'll be interesting if he does if he talks all this shit and then he doesn't get it done. What a fucking clown! You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you see YouTube here? Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at that newspaper. Okay, Hulk's too old. I've got to uh, make sure that I share the sound here and uh, check out this. I mean, just great ad. This is basically like the Australian or you know Australian New Zealand version of DraftKings. Okay, so, uh, give me a thumbs up if you can hear it when it starts going. Volkanovski too old. Don't make a headline out of anything these days, huh? It's ridiculous. All this talk about the over 35 curse. It's nonsense. So I've let the sports bet crew in. Ah, shoes off, shoes off. To prove I'm just as youthful as these whippersnappers. Like a wish. Nah, I'm good. Usually a hit. Yeah, every time I think of hanging up the gloves, this damn phone rings. It's always Dana. We want you to headline this next main card. This will be him now. Watch. Dana. Who? Taxation office. My credit card details are nine zero three six. It's a scam. It's hang up. Hang up. Hang up. Well, that's the thing. This fight coming up sounds like your toughest. Yeah, this one's going to be huge. Uh, I really don't like them. So we've already got a date uh, set for next week at the council court. Here, let me show you something. My neighbour's fence, at least ten million in my yard. It's ridiculous. What'd you say, little fighter boy? Nothing, Beverly. Yeah, I'll, I'll saw... see you in court. I'm talking about mate. my veggie garden. You're there. Sorry, man. I still watch tape of my opponents. Here, I'll show you his weaknesses. It's his cardio. He doesn't have uh, the energy to go five rounds. Um, I think he might have taped over the uh, fight with the. I still don't get these uh, hot takes on my age, though. I will still fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. Maybe not in tomato season or after 11pm, but... Your opponent just talks smack on X about you. What's X? Was that like MSN or MySpace or something like that? And none of you are leaving without my homemade pasta sauce, either. You're all too skinny. What'd he say? Said you're old. Huh? Said you're too old. That prick. I'm going to reply. Dear Scallywag, just wait until I get my hands on you <laughs> i mean it's great that was fucking that was awesome dude <laughs> that was a great fucking commercial i know so it's it's fucking awesome that like he's he's being into it he's and that's what's scary man he's such a fucking dangerous guy and i feel i'm almost tempted to switch my pick because of uh I was expecting you to pick Volk, dude. Like, everybody that I've heard... I fucking want to, but... It's like the Dern fight. Like, I, I mean... I, all right, I should not put Elia and Dern in the same sentence, but... 
it's the same feeling of like, I just have this fucking gut feeling that, you know, my mind's telling me to go one way, but I just, I feel something that is pushing me to go the other way. I hear that same thing from everybody, man. That's what's interesting. I, I listen to a lot of betting shows um, just to hear what they say. And uh, I tend to like to go the other way when everyone's on the same thing and everyone is on Ilya, which is wild. And okay. I feel like we're either never going to get Volkanovsky at these kind of odds ever again, ever, or we're never, ever, ever going to get Ilya Tapori on these same odds again. So no matter yeah. what, it's like we're missing the boat no matter which side we pick. You just uh, fucking nailed it, man. Because how often the only times you haven't seen Volk at at least a minimum minus 200 was against Islam. Right. And it's like, are we getting given like the ultimate gift here? Volk at even odds. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you fucking, I mean, normally you could bet the fucking mortgage on Volkanovsky at even odds. And it's like, man, I, what are, what are we doing here? Uh, my well, th- well, here, here's yeah. a thought, right? Oh, yeah, so you would, so could, we could probably agree Volkanovsky is Elia's hardest fight to date. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, do you think Elia is Volkanovsky's hardest fight to date? Because he presents a lot of different challenges than his hardest fight to date being Islam. Uh, well, in this weight class, I'll, I'll say in this weight class, yes. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I wasn't really considering it was another weight up. Yeah, and at 145 at featherweight, this is absolutely his. It's got to be his hardest fight. I mean, Ilya. You know how many? I mean, well, how do you? I mean, not to do MMA math, but how do you think Ilya versus Max Holloway would go? Um, it's tough, dude. Uh, Max Holloway. I would. I would bet on Ilya for sure. Um, Personally, outside of the Ilya too. Huh? Personally, I would side with him too. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Brian Ortega. See, this is the thing. This is what I was going to say about Ilya is that he beat uh, a great submission fighter, a, a one-dimensional submission fighter in Bryce Mitchell by submission, right? Right. He beat a one-dimensional boxer striker, Josh Emmett, by striking. He beat Dude. the fuck out of him, and he should have actually gotten a knockout in round three. I remember they stopped it. I had a heavy bet on that fight um in, in round three a tko dq ko whatever round three and i remember when they pulled them aside and they were looking at that cut and it was a bad fucking cut dude it was such a bad cut and they just kept it going i think they were like yeah ryan dean in tucson arizona has a heavy bet on this let's just not end it and then they let it go um i don't know why and even Ilya, when he was talking about he's like i'm surprised that they let that fight go because he was bleeding all over the fucking place he looked like a horror movie when he was when he was done with that and um yeah man i mean this guy tends to like to drag fights into the places where these guys are comfortable and beat them at their own game i don't know if that's part of the part of the uh the illusion here and uh i mean volk is a fucking boogeyman man so I don't know. I just got to go. There's no logic to this. It's just, like you said, it's a gut pick, uh, but I'm scared because everyone else seems to have this gut pick, and when everyone has that gut feeling, it's just wrong. And I think that we saw Volk lose two times. He's looked human recently. Um, I, I I don't know, man. Just for the sake of this, I'm going to switch back to Volk. Um, I don't know. I, I have... 
I have so I do DraftKings uh, fantasy shit, and I yeah. have the same picks. Um, out of you know, you get six fighters for fifty thousand dollars salary. I've got the same picks all the way up, up until the main event, and I've got the same picks with Ilya in one lineup and Volk in another lineup. So no matter what happens, if those guys actually do well and we get to the main event and I'm doing well, I'm good. But um, I think I think that this is such a great fucking main event, and I'm I'll, I'll go Volk just to go against you here. I'll actually, just Volk. speaking of the DraftKings, uh, their fucking shit they give you for the Super Bowl. I did a pick six, you know, when you, you know, you pick the whatever, like six props of like over unders, rushing yards, all that. Right. Dude, I fucking, I hit five out of six and my sixth leg was Brock Purdy over 13 rushing yards. Oh, or no, no, I'm sorry. Over 12 and a half rushing yards. And he rushed for 13. Right. So I win, right. He's at 13 instead of 12 and a half. Bro, you know, he took a knee to put it into overtime. When he took that final knee before they went into overtime, that knee counted as the loss of a yard. So we went from 13 to 12. Dude, it was one of the most painful bad beats I've had in a fucking while. Okay, I might have you beat there on the Super Bowl. How how much money would you have won off of the initial investment? Um, it was it was a $10 free bet and I would have won 180. Okay. I have you beat there, dude. And I'll tell you why. Did you see what I sent you guys? I don't know. Did you see what I told you? I fucking, I showed my boy, Andrew. I had a 20-teamer parlay that missed by Trevin Giles and Joe Pfeiffer. $10 would have paid $9,700. I fucking lost. Okay. All right, go. No, No, I I can't remember the thing you sent. Okay. And I'll I'll pull this up just to show you here on camera. Um. You remember the final score of the game after they went into overtime, right? 20, what do you remember what it was? Uh, not exactly, no. 26 was, to 22 or something like that, maybe. 22 to 25. It should have been 26, 25, or 22 to 26, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, but they didn't let, they didn't, there was no need to kick that extra point because they already won. Right. So it was 22 to 25 uh, Chiefs, right? So 22, San Francisco, 25. I do this thing every single Super Bowl. Every single time there's a Super Bowl, I throw, you know, 20 bucks, three to five dollars each each score. I, I guess the exact score. Okay. And I will. Hold on. Let me just take a picture of this real quick. Okay. So and this is bad, dude. This I mean, I, I've showed you like those parlays that I've hit where I was, like, super close to getting them and all this shit where it's like, oh, man, like, if I would have hit this, I would have been, like, you know, just the the one with the uh, the the Golden State Warriors missing by one point in a five-leg parlay. Oh, yeah. Into 200, shit like that, right? This one, I had the 49ers 19, Kansas City Chiefs 16. No. And it went down. To the fucking wire. It went down to the very end of the goddamn game. And it was 1916. San Francisco was winning. And what happens is that the 49ers just completely forget how to play defense. They just stop caring. They say, nah, let's not do this. Let's let's not even fucking defend. 
I don't know if you can see that. It's probably not going to show up very quickly. Was it five to or three dollars to win four eighty three? Oh my god, you fucking had it! Three dollars and and on the clock, you can see that they scored their. their yeah, I saw like six seconds. Six seconds. They oh scored their field goal god. to tie it up. If the goddamn 49ers would have just played a shred of defense, I would have turned $3 into $483, dude. Dude, that is fucking brutal. It and, and I was sitting there with my family, my mom, my dad, my sister and her boyfriend. My sister's younger than me. And we're sitting there and I'm like, if the fucking if the if the Kansas City Chiefs just don't score right now, I'm going to have this is going to be the best bet that I've ever made. That the odds there were plus like 16,000 or something. That's unbelievable, dude. And I, I only had I only made three selections, and that was one of them. I knew it was going to come down to three points, and that was one of my fucking choices. And I was pissed. And after that point, though, I'll, I'll give you a little good news. I dropped the balance on uh, Kansas City after they tied it up, and I ended up making half that money back. So, oh nice, two hundred bucks. But I had to put down one hundred twenty to make you know the two hundred dollars. So right. It was still a risk, but holy shit! I mean, what a what a fucking nightmare, man. Yeah, fuck that is that that's tough, dude. That, I hate those ones so. Those are the ones that like makes you want to delete the fucking app when you're that close. Yeah, but it, it, at the same time, for me, maybe this is like my psychosis or whatever. It gives me hope. I'm like, dude, I was that close. I oh, oh dude, no. Well, you know what? I was saying that for the reasonable person. I'm the same way. Like. <laughs> we got that close. We can do this. We can keep punting and we'll we'll get one eventually. Next year. We got it. Yeah, dude. It was it was a heartbreaker though, man. I was pretty pissed off. I drank a couple beers and then I fucking drove home after that. So I'm fucking always a good idea. Oh yeah. But yeah, man, let's wrap this up. Um super fun episode. I think this is gonna be a great card. Are you making any food? Do you guys cook food or anything over there when you uh watch these? Do you watch this with your lady? Uh no, she's um she knows I get, we have a rule, no simp Saturday. Uh, Alex and our friend Andrew come over every Saturday and the boys watch the fights and make our plays. It's, okay. it's like we're clocking into work, bro. This is a fucking, it's a weekly routine. Everyone comes over here and we do our thing. You guys make food or you just fucking sit there? And- um, so I either have Alex get Chipotle on the way or if they don't get Chipotle on the way, we order from a pizza place down the street. But there was that one rare occurrence where I'm a fucking neat snob and I made steaks for everybody. But dude, those are only if you play your cards right. Dude, you got to get in there and make food. I mean, this is a big deal for me. Like we always like like when they fight in Canada, we'll make poutine. When when they fight in fucking Brazil, we'll make Brazilian steak shit. When they well, here's the thing, bro. We're doing it at my house. I that means I'm the guy fucking cooking it, and all these assholes just show up. Well, have no, have them fucking get there early. Get your girl involved. Say that you'll cook the food. She does the dishes. You know what I mean? Like, it's a fun thing. Dude, it's the way to go, man. I'll tell you. Like, it's it, it, it elevates fight day. I have been looking forward to fights every single weekend so fucking much because of the food. It's a crucial so part of funny. fight. Yeah, man. Wings. Oh, all kinds of shit. We usually just eat. It's either Chipotle or pizza and subs. No, nah, man. You got to elevate that fucking game there. All right, I fuck with it. We might have to we might have to implement that. Have people chip in, just be like, hey, send me 30 bucks, send me 20 bucks. Let's have some let's make some good food. Fucking pull up some recipes. Finger foods are always nice. You know what I mean? Right. Just shit like appetizers and then like 
you know, all kinds of shit, dude. We always have a good time over here. And it's usually just me and Kim. Kim doesn't even watch these fucking fights. It's just me, basically. That's a good move. I like that. We might have to implement that strategy. It's a solid fucking way to go about it, man. Well, but... speaking of solid, before we get out of here, let me leave with a couple solid plays. Oh, yeah. All right. So, first off, we didn't talk about it, but on Friday, 1FC, Jonathan Haggerty and Luke Lessie. Jonathan Haggerty's minus 180 right now. Luke Lessie, the odds aren't out on him yet, but I'm definitely going to parlay those two. Hopefully go into the UFC card with a little bit of a free roll from that bet. But um, I'm going to put at least 100 to 150 on those two guys. I'm really confident they do their thing. It's on Amazon Prime. Who doesn't have Prime? No reason to not watch, dude. It's going to be a really good card. I think there's only one MMA fight. The rest are Muay Thai, so... It's, it's going to be a banging card, man. If you hate wrestling, this is a card to watch. Um, UFC, the whale bet. We're going to go Miranda Maverick and Mirab. The two of them is plus 125. That'll be the whale. I'll probably put around 150 or 200 on that. We'll see how 1FC goes. See if I'm already mush going into UFC. And I left you with a four-teamer steamer last week, plus 800. I'm going to leave a four-teamer steamer this week at plus 600. We got Danny Barlow, Justin Taffa, Ian Gary, Robert Whitaker. Those four is plus 600. Barlow, Taffa, Whitaker, and who? Ian Gary. Guys, lots of fights coming up over the next couple of weeks. I think with the UFC specifically, we've got like eight or nine more weeks after this week. So uh, tons of shit going on, and it's going to be a good time. So tune in. Hopefully Alex can take a break from whatever the hell he's doing and join us next time. And uh, yeah. Anything that you want to plug Jared? Just T picks, man. Hit me up on Instagram. Shoot me a message. If you want to talk over some fights, you disagree with anything, let me know. Give me an opinion. Do you agree? Let me know. Let's, let's make some money together. Hell yeah. Should be fucking sick, man. I'm excited for the next couple of weeks, man, but good luck, everybody. Make some good food. Hopefully make some good money and we'll talk next week. I mean, next week for the next few weeks. So see you soon and uh, good luck, everybody.